I'm back. Is that from something? Here's Johnny. Here's Johnny. I'm not Johnny. I'm J. Here's Jimmy. Please don't call me Jimmy. If you see me on the street, I ask that you please do not call me Jimmy, Jim, or Jimbo. The only Jim variation I feel fine with you calling me is Jim Jack, because my middle name is Jackson. I'm James Jackson. So you can call me Jim Jack, but if not, call me James. Actually, if I don't know you, don't call me Jim Jack. Just call me James, all right? Unless you are my dad, and then... I had a cousin who used to call me Jim Jack, but he's dead. So now my dad is the only person who, well, no, my sister will call me Jim Jack or Jackson. So if you're my sister or my dad, you can call me whatever the hell. But if you're anyone else, please call me James until we discuss this further. This is not spurred by any recent events or conversations. It just popped up at the top of my head. But speaking of uh, notable events, I've got a I've got a couple things I'm going to talk about. One of those things will be in t- in this episode, and then the other thing will be in the other episode. And I'll tell you right now what's going on. So the other episode I am referring to is the. Uh, the bonus, the Patreon premium episode, and I'll get into more detail about that if you're a new listener in a bit. In that episode, I will be discussing, um, let's say, my thoughts and advice and just personal experience and knowledge on how best to sell, market, and negotiate. Now, this is a very uh, unusual topic for me to discuss on this show. However, uh, there was a, a thing that happened. It wasn't a bad thing. It was just an interesting new thing that happened. And I will explain more of that in the bonus episode. But in this episode... This episode is spurred by the Netflix adaptation of Sandman, Neil Gaiman's Sandman, one of my favorite comics, one of my favorite characters. And I'm going to tell you up front, I was embarrassed. I'm embarrassed by the adaptation. I'm disappointed. Um, not as embarrassed and disappointed as I was for with, by the Cowboy Bebop adaptation. That was just, that was egregious. That was egregious. No, the Sandman thing, not, not as bad. It wasn't horrible, but uh, Netflix, unfortunately, cannot help but do what Netflix does. And I'll get into detail about that in this episode. But first, I think I should probably let you know that this is a variety show with no particular niche, baby. It's always about hanging out. Maybe we'll laugh at some stuff. Maybe we'll learn something new. But it's always about hanging out, me and you. Hi. Hi. 
Welcome back to That Thing with James. I'm your host, James. And maybe you're new to the show, or maybe you've been sitting around for the past, what, two, maybe three weeks? I think it's been two weeks since I last released, so then it'll be three weeks uh, by the time I release this, because it's Sunday, August 7th at 2 p.m. on the dot. 2022, and uh, yeah, this will come out uh, this following Friday, the whatever number, see, seven, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so we got seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, on Friday, August 12th, 2022, it'll come out in the morning, on, on Friday morning, um, yeah, yeah. I've I've discussed a little bit before about um, maybe why it's taking me so long to crank these episodes out. It's because, well, frankly, I was killing myself uh, cranking these things out every week, every single week, not just one, but two episodes, because every time I record a free episode such as this one, I then, right afterwards, uh, will record a bonus episode for Patreon, for the patrons. And um, and I had been doing, trying my best to get one out every single week. However, life circumstances change. Namely, I think my biggest obstacle is that I have a day job. I have to pay the bills. Um, and that takes up uh, a lot of time that I, a time and, and certainly energy that I could otherwise put toward doing things that I feel are more valuable to myself and to others. Um, but also, you know, visiting parents, family duties taking care of family duties and also domestic duties because, well, I've got a puppy. I have a puppy. I've had him for uh, two months now, two months and some change. I think uh, think we got him at the beginning of June. Um, And he's a lot of work, especially now because it's about time for him to get castrated, to become a eunuch. And, uh, yeah, he's his brain's getting jumbled up with all the chemicals and the testosterone. The testosterone. This little little puppy, little fur boy. Uh, he's getting a bit of an attitude. Getting um I I I'm, he's not aggressive, but he is being more aggressive in ways that he wasn't before. That is uh he, he, he will be a little shit and generally not listen where he was not being a little shit and was listening before. And I, I was like, it's like he's regressing right now because he's uh, six months old now, I think, six months old, human months. And um, I did a little bit of research and I found online, sure enough, my intuition was right. There is a stage, and this puppy is in the middle of that stage called regression. Now, it doesn't happen to all puppies, but it, I, I, from what I understand, it happens to most. Once they get to a certain age, they will regress, 
and you basically have to retrain them, namely re-potty train them. And it's because they're maturing and yeah, different, lots, lots of chemical shit. It's like a puberty for, for a puppy, puber, puppy puberty. And they get all mixed up and want to regress to baby stage because that was more familiar and things are, are weird and scary and there's weird shit going on inside them now and body changes and everything. And uh, yeah, so he's going through regression. So it's been, we had it down, we had the system down and then now it's become even more work. Um, although we're, we're kind of getting this system down again. Uh, I'm a busy, I'm a busy kid. On top of that, I've also been doing uh, these other things. I've already done After the Tone, my first ever web series. Uh, audio listeners and maybe maybe viewers on my YouTube channel. If you didn't know that, it's a fucking YouTube series on my YouTube channel. If you're not, if you don't know how to find my YouTube channel, just go to YouTube.com. Go to the uh, search bar and type in that thing with James. My channel will pop up. Go to playlists and you'll see a playlist for After the Tone. You will also see another playlist entitled Minor Tensions. And that's an ongoing uh, web series that I'm doing. They're just like comedy shorts. But uh, enough of that. Yeah. Things have been busy, so I've not been able to crank these out every week because uh, it was affecting my physical, mental, and emotional health, uh, and uh, also I feel affecting the quality of this show. And frankly, I would much rather put out something of uh, quality more so than low quality, high quantity. That's how I feel about it. Um, and yeah, I did mention one of the things that takes up a lot of time is the day job, the day job. And you know what? I would very much love to not have to have a day job, to be able to do this and the other shit, uh, to, to make people laugh, to entertain people, to, uh, you know, share some love, share some wisdom, and you can help make that possible. <clears throat> Excuse me, possible. By becoming a patron, by donating to the show at patreon.com slash that thing with James. It's just $5 a month. and It'll get you through the door. Five bucks a month. And there are different tiers if you uh, feel so inclined. And these different tiers offer different benefits. Shouts out, be it, you know, verbally written. There's even one tier where I will handwrite and snail mail to you a personal thank you letter. Patreon.com slash that thing with James. And in return, you also get access to all the whole damn library of all the bonus episodes. So if you want to help support the show, if you want a little bit mo, become a patron today at patreon.com slash that thing with James. The link and all the other shit I'm about to drop on you will be written, is written, in this episode's description. I am on social media, namely Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. My handle on all three is at James J. Asher. And also, I this week about, uh, about this week, within the past, I don't know, say nine days, 
I have created a second TikTok account um, solely for my creations, solely for my, my web series and comedy shorts. Because, you know, there's a platform, I want to make use of it, try to get some more exposure. Uh, that is uh, at TTWJ Productions. So it's that thing with James Productions. That's what I'm calling it, because I'm making these shorts now. Because I don't know if I'm ever going to get like an audition or anything again. Uh, but that's a circumstance. I'm owning circumstances in my life better now than I had been for over a year. But that's not what this episode is about. Um, let's see. Real quick, real quick, real quick. Uh, you can email me at uh, thatthingwithjames at gmail.com if you have a, an idea, a suggestion, a submission for something to talk about, a topic uh, to riff on, to discuss, questions to answer on the show, email them to me at thatthingwithjames at gmail.com and uh, please come shitpost on my subreddit r slash thatthingwithjames. And once again, help support the show, help make it possible to keep making the show, making it better, and make more stuff. Become a patron today at patreon.com slash that thing with James. Now, on to the topic at hand. I I go into this show, this 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 podcast, I go into it uh, you know, off the cuff. This is off the cuff. I did not really write down notes, bullets, or anything. I'm just going to go off the dome and hope it works out, all right? So, Sandman. I enjoy the comics, the graphic novels uh, created, created and written by Neil Gaiman, and I forget the name of the artist. Great, great series. I regard it as seminal literature, seminal gothic literature, for, from the 80s and 90s. They are so cool. Granted, I have not read every single issue because the comic ran for like 10 years. Uh, however, the, the new Netflix adaptation, this 10-episode season, um, covers, I think, the first two volumes, and I have read a bit past what they cover in the adaptation. So I can speak on this adaptation because I've read the stuff that it's based on. Now, um, I was really hoping, I was really hoping the show would be better. Not gonna lie. Not gonna lie. I did not love it. I did not love it. And that's because Netflix did what Netflix does. They watered it out. They took out the edge, everything. So let me, let me try to break this down. Let me, let me get up and stretch my legs for a second, try to gather my thoughts. Just a second. Okay, let's do this. Uh, now this, this is going to be a spoiler-free um, meditation. I don't even want to consider this a review. This is not a review. This is a meditation on the Sandman adaptation, but even broader, really, this is a meditation on Netflix, Netflix adaptations, but also just Netflix in general, many Netflix productions, and 
um, capital, commercialization, and the effects of capital on art, okay? And once again, I've not written this stuff down. These are just loose thoughts that have been banging around in my head. I, over the span of two days, I, I binged, watched, and, and you know watched the whole 10-episode season one of the uh, Sandman adaptation. And I feel that the adaptation, that what Netflix did with its vast quantities of money is what it tends to do with all of its productions that I have seen. Like, I am quite, I am struggling to think of a single Netflix series that consistently, consistently, I would say like throughout the entire span of a series or a season of any of its original productions or adaptations, um, consistently at large, what Netflix productions tends to do is take a piece of art and treat it like a commercial. Now, I understand Netflix is a technically a commercial enterprise, but let's work out some definitions here. When I say a commercial, I mean like the things that happen in the breaks between the show you're watching on antenna or on satellite or on cable uh, before streaming or, or even if on, on different uh, you know, or uh, fuck, it's even on streaming now too. Product commercials, commercials for say a toilet bowl cleaner or something like that. That is a commercial, and a theatrical piece is um, supposed to be a work of art. Now, are commercials art? Can they be art? Yes, yes. Uh, it gets a little muddy here. It gets a little muddy here because. Every theatrical release that a, a studio puts out is inherently a commercial for that studio, of course. Um, however, ideally, when you are when you are making a uh, a piece of theatrical art, it is a story that a, a group of people work together to create. Uh, I would say my favorite contemporary theatrical piece uh, in, in terms of a, a TV series or a streaming series, my favorite by far current one is Barry. B-A-R-R-Y. The HBO show uh, with um, created by Bill Hader and Alec Berg. I fucking love Barry. It, and Barry, part of it is the reason, one of the many, 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 many reasons I feel it is so exceptional, so exceptionally fantastic, so great, is because the people making it have a, a great, 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 uh, deep, respect and love 
and appreciation for, oh, I'm going to use a Martin Scorsese term here, cinema. The people that make it fucking love cinema so much that they want to contribute to the catalog, to the library, to the pantheon of cinema. And uh, I feel, you know, cinema, uh, in terms of like cinematic, it can be applied to things beyond just a movie, uh, like at a movie theater, because a TV show like Barry can be very cinematic. Uh, the um, Vince Gilligan shows uh, Better Call Saul, which I have not caught up on. I really need to catch up on Better Call Saul because I'm sure I would love that too. Better Call Saul, Breaking Bad, cinematic pieces. These are exceptional shows and they have and exercise a deep artistic integrity. They are there to make art, to share art, and that's it. And so they create and, and, and disseminate art. Netflix. <clears throat> How do I put this? Netflix takes what should, and here's the part that really frustrates me the most, could. They take things that could be very fucking cinematic, fantastic, deeply, artistically integral, uh, or, or with deep artistic integrity. They take these things, but then water it down, defang it, dull the edge, so that it is a commercial, not a theatrical piece, but a commercial. And I mean this in terms of the, you know, within the definition of the terms I've laid out here. It turns it into a commercial rather than a theatrical piece. It wants to be, it, it says, uh, it, 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 it purports itself. It insists that it is presenting something progressive and edgy, yet in the action of making and in the presentation, in the treatment, in the final product, it is nothing of the sort. Nothing of the sort. And I can think right now, I'm thinking of an example within the Sandman um, adaptation that could work as a sort of a, a metaphor for this. So the comics, the comics, I say, I consider them to be um, seminal, gothic literature, seminal, gothic piece of art. The comics, while they are often about hope and fantasy and imagination and dreams, big, lofty, awesome fucking things, while it's about these themes, the art, like the actual illustration and the, the writing and the tone in general, 
is rather edgy. It's uh, edgy. It's got this edge. It presents like a sort of horror, a, a gothic, dark fantasy. It has teeth, sharp teeth. It's sinister. It uh, completely eschews the lines between, you know, there is only good and only evil. It, it gets rid of that false dichotomy. Yet the art itself and the artwork changes in the different issues. The artwork's awesome, awesome in the in the in the comic series. Um, and there's deep contrast. Like I can think of if you if you look up Dream, the character from not from the adaptation but from the books, uh, the illustration you will find of Dream like on, on Wikipedia, it's black and white. It's sketchy. It's rough. It has a lot of edge and a certain tone, a certain dark tone. And there's a lot of contrast. Often you will see a lot of hard shadows because it's like a fusion of like horror and noir and of course, the themes and the illustration will change, but there it always has this rather sketchy feel to it. The rough, sharp edges. Shadows are dark, pitch black, contrasted against a blank white void of imagination. And the character of dreams stands out in these Heart, in harsh contrast, in black ink, sketchy, rough, sticking out, an illusion, a fantasy, a dream coming out of the void. There is stark contrast. Shadows are hard. In the show, in the adaptation, the way the lighting is treated and again, I'm using this as a metaphor here. The way the lighting is treated, um, sh the, the, the shadows are barely there. There's shadows, but you can see every single detail of a character's face or of the character of the set. The lighting is, it's all very bright and vibrant and colorful. And that's fine if you are using it to say something. If you are using bright, vibrant colors to, to say something, to serve the narrative of the story in the episode, in the season, in the series altogether. Color and lighting itself are a language. And the language communicated in this adaptation was very bright. The contrast was so, so soft. You can pick any episode. I think, honestly, the, um, the, there was one story that I liked the most. 
out of the entire season of this adaptation, and that was the story of John D. in particular, episode 5, 24-7. If, you, if you're familiar, it's the diner issue. Um, that one was closer to the tone because it presented itself more as a horror, more as a sinister thing. And I feel that Edge was always on the page in the comics, yet so fucking rare. It was like the, um, the producers and more certainly the suits said, okay, this is the really infamous uh, dark fuck you up issue in the comics in these first two, I, th I think first two volumes. And uh, so we're going to make this our one really dark episode. And then everything else was kind of like hard to describe. It, it leaned, how the fuck do I put this? The contrast was not there. It was not rough and sketchy. The teeth were gone. The edge was completely dulled in a lot of, in, in most of this season. And it's as if uh, the show were, was <sighs> squashed, flattened, smoothed, decontrasted um, because of suits or whomever these people are or whatever the culture is at Netflix because I see this with so many of its other things. Uh, it, it lacks a soul. It doesn't really catch the vibe. The adaptation did not really catch the vibe you get the characters. Okay, here's characters. You get the, um, the events from the comic. Okay, the events happen. But where's the soul? There's the je ne sais quoi. There's the feeling. There's, there's the personality from the comics. It's a very fucking hard to miss in the comics. This very definite personality. This tone and it was lacking from the adaptation. This tone is one of the things that made the comic so fucking good. It's the tone. And it was missing. When I was watching the last few episodes yesterday, I was thinking it's as if some North Face sweater vest wearing finance dorks who go on hikes, got a hold of, of the comics, didn't really get it, didn't really understand the tone, didn't identify with it, but said, this is a popular niche we have not made a profit on before. Let's do it. And then they did what they do, which is, uh, you know, they took this thing that they don't really identify with, don't really understand, but present it anyway and said, is this goth? It's, you know, normies who look at goth, goth culture, who do not understand it, 
and then try to replicate it, try to dress themselves up in a fucking Halloween cape and maybe some eyeliner and say, am I goth now? No, no. And I'm thinking now of a, um, a TikTok video that I saw a few weeks ago. And it was someone who works in Manhattan and they were around a lot of finance bros, a lot of finance bros. And this person who was making the video and talking about finance bros was talking about the culture, this culture, the current uh, finance bro, finance people culture, these people in their 20s and 30s in this industry, in this field. And, you know, sort of meditating on the idea that these people are the ones who are affecting the way things are uh, socioeconomically in the United States and, of course, at the world at large because capital affects everyone everywhere on the globe and and orbiting the globe even and beyond fuck we've we have foisted capital into outer space 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 um now this tiktoker said basically these finance bros the culture is that of of people who who lack two things imagination and identity, personal, individual, identity, personhood. And I would argue that imagination is what affects personality. Imagination begets personality, begets personhood, begets individuality, begets character. You imagine something. You dream of something and say, I resonate with this. I identify with this. This is, expresses what I feel. It articulates these formless feelings I have. That creates personality. Your uniqueness. And this TikToker said, the finance bros lack it. They lack it. If you go and see them, they go to the same bars they go to the same clubs, they dress the same, they do the same things, and they try to be something. It's a, a search to fill the void of identity, and in so doing, there is this fear. Now, I'm not saying, personally, I'm not saying that these people lack the capacity for individuality, for, for character, for uniqueness. I'm not saying that they lack the capacity uh, to truly imagine. I think everyone has this. I think it is more so a result of culture and capital upon culture. It's a result of this. Um, it is not feeling the freedom and security to be different, to imagine, to think for yourself. And so you try to find identity in, 
um, you know, they all think they're, they're being unique, but really they're, yeah, addressing the same, doing the same stuff, talking about the same thing. Huh, maybe I should start microdosing. Huh, maybe let's go for a, a, you know, a hike. Huh, I'm thinking about being vegan. There's this progressive element in this, uh, you know, classically very fucking misogynist uh, thing, uh, finance. And I would also argue that tech, tech bros, uh, suffer this uh, similar affliction. I saw a lot of that in Austin when I lived there for almost 10 years. A lot of tech people there. And it's a very similar thing. Similar people, similar conversations, similar modes of thinking, similar fear. Now, I'm not saying cowardice, but similar fear of imagination of contrasting yourself, of sticking out, of being sketchy, of, of, of being rough, sketched, edgy, sticking out in stark contrast to the rest of your environment, internally and externally. And what is Netflix but a fusion of finance, and tech people coming together to create a commercial, to take something that is unapologetically fucking weird and a little bit scary, a little bit sinister, a little bit dark, taking that, not absorbing it, not uh, being too closed off. And I'm not saying it's their own fault. You know, we are products of our environment. Yet it also is incumbent upon us to, for an individual to get to know thyself. It is as if that culture got their hands on something radically unique and smashed it down and blanched it into an inoffensive commercial product. Mm. It's frustrating because I love Sandman so much. And, um, and it could have been so cool. And I, I had hope because Neil Gaiman was attached. He was involved in the process. However, it went to Netflix. Had it gone to somewhere else? Had it gone to HBO, which what the fuck is going on with HBO and WB and Discovery right now? What a fucking mess. Uh, Scorsese was right. Scorsese was right. Scorsese was right. Capital kills art and artists. Um, had this gone to another studio, had, you know, I feel like HBO would have let it become what it is. But instead it went to Netflix and Netflix did what it does. It took a piece of art and turned it into a commercial. 
that's my meditation. I think that's where I, uh, I think that's where I'm going to stop for this episode. Now, I did recently have a a new and exciting interaction in my life with a complete stranger, and it gave me a lot of thoughts, and I think it was a very funny interaction, a very, very funny interaction, and very insightful, and it uh, it was informative. It actually cued me in to uh, knowing that, wow, I, I, I know some things about some subjects. I know more about subjects that I didn't really realize I knew about, like had an instinct, like a good insight about. However, also I, I did study uh, communication studies um, in undergrad. That was my minor. But yeah, I'll be talking about that, like what to do and what not to do when making a pitch. <laughs> so if you want to stick around for that and some, some fun chuckles, um, become a patron at patreon.com slash that thing with James, and it will get you access to uh, the new bonus episode. There's always a bonus episode. When I make a free episode, rest assured, there's a bonus episode coming out that same day. Thank you for tuning in. Um, like, subscribe, review, good reviews, please. Um, if you have an idea, something you'd like me to riff on, talk about on this show, uh, send me your submissions to thatthingwithjames at gmail.com. And if you're on TikTok and want to see some other stuff I make, me uh, expressing my own creativity, uh, not holding back, coming out the gate swinging, letting myself stand in contrast to a blank white slate, a tabula rasa, if you want, if you will. Um, go check out my my new um, creativity dump on TikTok. Uh, the account is at TTWJ Productions. All one word. I love you. Bye.